So welcome. This is the introduction to the uh, NRES 222 Ecology Lab field trip to Nine Mile Prairie. What I'd like to do is just talk briefly a little about the science behind what we're going to do while we're out in the field, and then um, very briefly talk about the actual exercise that, that we'll do while you're out there. The TAs will go through more of the exercise once we uh, in the preparation week for the, for the trip. So MacArthur and uh, E.O. Wilson, Robert MacArthur and, and Wilson, noticed <clears throat> when they were down in the Caribbean that as they looked at different islands, they found, there we go, they found uh, small islands had few species and larger islands like Cuba and Hispaniola had more species. And this was looking at amphibians and reptiles. And in fact, if you plot that same curve on log-log axes, it turns into a straight line. And we call this the species area curve. Now, it's interesting. This is actually one of the oldest patterns in ecology. Um, this was actually published in the 19th century. These are plant species now, so starting with um, a little bit of the of Surrey, and then going up to different. Uh, he called them bits and part pieces, and then all of Surrey County, uh, South Thames, Thames, Southern England, and then the number of plant species in Great Britain. And so this is plotted on log axes. So if you, as you get larger and larger, here up to the area of Great Britain, you get more and more species found in each of those particular areas. And this is, these are nested areas, obviously, so the bit of Surrey is inside the part piece of Surrey. Now this is really quite remarkable because it turns out that no matter what kind of species you look at and where you look on the planet, this slope of this line is almost always the same value. So this is why we use log-log plots. So we, there, what's this, the relationship, what, now let's, see, let's point that way, there we go. The, um, the curve is a power law. So the number of species is equal to a constant C times the area raised to the power Z. And it's this value Z that's constant across, uh, or not exactly the same, but appears to be very consistent across many different class, uh, groups of species in many different places. If we take logarithms of both sides, so now we have the log of s, there they are right there, okay, is equal to the log of c plus z times the log of a. Um, you might, it's a bit hard to see, but if this is actually the equation of a line. So this is going to be our intercept. This value log of c is the intercept. And then we have z is the slope and the x-axis variable is the logarithm of the area. So by doing this uh, logarithmic transformation on this equation, on this power law, we end up with the equation of a straight line. And that makes it very easy for us to estimate this particular value here, z, which is the one that has the consistent value. So here, just to demonstrate the point, here's some more graphs for uh, reptiles, fishes, and mammals across uh, some much larger keep wanting to point in that direction. Much larger areas here, 10,000 up to 10,000 square kilometers. Um, and sort of, again, the, the slope of those lines is very consistent. It's about uh, 0.28. Uh, 
averaged across many, many different studies. Sometimes as low as 0.2, in other studies as high as 0.4, but generally around that average value of 0.28. Now it does change a little bit depending on the scale at which you look. So one of the things, one of the reasons why we uh, see more species as we go up is that we're moving into areas with different types of habitats. So if we look, in this case, for this particular study, they, they were talking about provinces. Um, these are ecological provinces, not Canadian provinces, but within a particular province, so within a particular kind of homogeneous habitat, um, you get a fairly flat slope. So it's still increasing. The larger the province that you look at, the more species you get, but the slope is a little bit lower. If you start working uh, among provinces now, so now you're working at this, this top end, so now the areas are all quite large because now as we add provinces together, right, we're getting, um, we're, we're working on quite big areas and so there, now we're working between extremely different types of habit of uh, uh, provinces or perhaps even biomes as we're working across these different areas and so we add new species quite rapidly. Uh, and there's sort of an intermediate slope here where we're walking, uh, working between uh, different islands. And so the, the, it, what appears to be happening is that if you are working across within a homogeneous ecological area, you get a lower slope. If you work across different ecological areas, you get um, a much steeper slope. So we visualize that sort of a different way. I keep wanting to point at myself in some way. We start off in local areas, so say within Nine Mile Prairie, we're going to be working down here in this kind of scale, so we're going to get one slope there. As we move from Nine Mile Prairie, if we were to keep our sampling regime and expanding outwards from Nine Mile Prairie, say across the, the uh, larger tall grass prairie uh, uh, ecoregion, right, that includes all of the Great Plains, um, we might start to see we're really sampling the same kinds of biomes, but now over there. So the scale might flatten out. And then as we get up and to start moving out of the tall grass prairie ecoregion and into uh, other ecoregions like the eastern deciduous forests to the east of us or uh, Rocky Mountain alpine habitats to the west of us, the rate of species accumulation is going to pick up again. So um, there is sort of, it, it's a bit tricky trying to figure out exactly, well, it's not difficult figuring out where you are. I mean, within a, within a particular scale area, right, we're going to be seeing a fairly consistent slope. So we're not going to be able to work our way across this sort of region, this sort of problem here. So you might wonder, why would we care about species area curves? What's the point of measuring species area curves? Okay, so it's a very consistent pattern in ecology. Who cares? Well, it turns out that um, in conservation biology, one of the things we're interested in is how a given amount of management is, how many species is a given amount of management going to affect. And so this is some work that was done in Australia comparing three different sorts of management options, uh, invasive predator control, um, uh, what's the middle one here? This is the Phytophthora management. Phytophthora is a fungal disease that uh, affects plants, invasive fungal disease, and then revegetation up here. And uh, each of these, the curves uh, sort of represents a different number of at-risk species 
that are going to be affected by that particular kind of management. And so not plants aren't particularly affected by invasive predators. There we go. Um, more, uh, so there's not very many species that are helped there. More species are helped by Phytophthora management, and even more species are helped by uh, revegetation. Now they also carry different sorts of costs though. So um, one of the things that we're looking at is how much have we already done? That's where these squares are, right? So there's quite a bit of revegetation that's already been done. There. <laughs> there's no square on the Phytophthora curve because we haven't done any Phytophthora management. And we've done a little bit of invasive predator control, but not very much. And so what we can see is that there's, if I look at this figure over here, if we were to increase our investment in Phytophthora management from zero, which is where we're at now, up to, uh, I think this is in terms of uh, kilometers squared, right? Uh, we could add 108 species that we're protecting based on this estimated species area curve. In contrast, our invasive predator control, so making a similar kind of area investment, um, is only going to take us from 86 species to 89 species because we're already doing about as much invasive predator control as we expect to help. And the same is true for revegetation. We're only going to protect an additional four species by adding 200 um, square kilometers to our revegetation efforts. <clears throat> so this can help us allocate our resources appropriately and find out where we're, where we're at. And so this is a very simple model. It doesn't take a lot of data uh, in order to estimate it and yet we can actually use it in applied ecological decision-making, trying to figure out how we ought to allocate our resources. These bottom curves are the same, except that now the x-axis is actually in terms of the amount of money that we could, in, that we could invest, how much it's going to cost, right? Because Phytophthora management costs different amounts than uh, revegetation. Revegetation is quite expensive. So, so we can use these in an simple models in an applied decision-making context in order to um, get better conservation outcomes. So what are we going to do next week? So next week what we're going to do, uh, you can see these students right here are um, the, the red flags in the prairie are marking out their nested quadrats. And what they're doing is they're searching progressively larger and larger areas um, for new plant species. And so here's some of the sorts of plant species you're going to find out. Don't ask me what these are. These ones down here are rose hips. I think this is a bad picture of a round-headed bush clover. Um, so you're going to see lots and lots of flowering plants, and that makes them easy to, to identify. Unfortunately, there's also a lot of grass, which is much harder to identify. We're not asking you to identify things to species. We just need to know, is this different from the things that you've already seen? And so what, we're, so what we'll do is you'll collect species um, identifications at larger and larger areas, and then we'll be able to, in the following week, we'll be able to take that information, estimate those curves, and we'll be able to see, does our data from Nine Mile Prairie match our theoretical expectations from all the other work that we're doing? And we can also do a little bit of what we would call a mensurative or an observation or a, a found experiment in that we have fields that have different times since fire. So fire is an important part of the prairie ecosystem. And uh, we have some fields that were burned this year, some that were burned 
previous years, and so each team is going to uh, each uh, lab section will work in a different field, and will get estimates of uh, different of how of these slopes and see whether they vary with time since fire. So some of the learning objectives for this particular exercise: we're going to be practicing species identification. You'll be estimating parameters of a nonlinear function. Well, actually, fitting a linear function, but it gives you the parameters for the nonlinear one. You'll be comparing those estimates with expected values using confidence limits. And finally, you'll be evaluating a theoretical claim with empirical data. So those are the sorts of things that we were hoping that you're, well, not hoping, that we expect you will get out of participating in this exercise.